It really, um, it really is an honor to be with you. I am very thankful uh, to be talking about uh, this particular gift. We're going to spend a lot of time in, a, in the book of Ephesians, particularly chapter 4. I know that you have uh, been reading through that likely over the last few weeks. Um, and uh, I just I want to say thank you to Glenn and Chelsea for opening the door and, uh, and for you all uh, for receiving this morning. I also want to make mention, um, if you were not here for, where's Sandra at? Did she walk out? If uh, she's over here, if you did not, if you were not here for her message a few weeks ago, I would strongly recommend that you uh, go on to and, and download the podcast and listen to that. That was a phenomenal message that she brought um, in laying a, a foundation. I believe the title was Knit Together in Love and how the Ephesians 4 gifting should be knit together. And I'll tell you what, she didn't pull any punches. Uh, there either. And I just want to give a, a hearty amen to everything that she spoke there. That was just a brilliant message. So I want to say, Sandra, I know I sent you an email, but I just publicly, I want to say thank you for bringing that. It was a great, it was a great word. So um, I've also uh, had the, uh, the honor of listening to a couple of Glenn's messages here over the last couple of weeks. And, and I'm appreciative for uh, his release and desire to see the release of the giftings in the church. I appreciate a series of messages like this. This is it's important. And uh, one of the things in one, in, in one of our last conversations, he says, you know, I want to see a, a church that, built, that is built for Kirksville, that is full of people from Kirksville, that, that people who live in this community and, and eat in this community and shop in this community. And, uh, and I, I love that he is identifying that because he has a love for this community. And uh, I, I love that, uh, that, that he desires uh, to see, not only in the life of this particular church, but in this community, to see Ephesians 4 gifts, apostles, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, released in this community. I know of no, and I've lived here virtually my entire life, essentially my entire life, and I don't know any mega churches that exist in Kirksville. Can anyone point one out that I'm not aware of? All right, in a town of 17,500 people, I don't know that you can qualify any of our churches as mega churches, right? But you know, the churches that exist here need the same gifting as any major city. As any, quote, major church, can I say that Christ Family Church is a major church? And we need to see the giftings that God has given released in this body, in life church, in this community, and in the other churches that exist here. So this, these messages that, that are being brought are laying a foundation to provide a release, not just so that we get a head knowledge, not just so that we understand that this is what Ephesians or other scriptures say, it's so that we would be released to see apostolic work in Kirksville, to see prophetic work in Kirksville, to see evangelistic work in Kirksville. And so I appreciate these types of series of messages here that, that are being released. Um, if you are pulling this up here, uh, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, or if you have a tablet or an iPhone or an Android phone that you want to click, 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 and make Ephesians 4 come up, that's where we will be. And we're going to start in verse 1 today. I'm going to start in verse 1. 
Now, this may be more of a teaching style today, but if I get a little loud, is that okay? Can I just, is that all right? Are we okay if I get a little loud? Okay, all right, good. We'll see if that happens, but all right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus. He says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, say, implore me, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now, before we get into anything prophetic today, I want us to identify the understanding as Paul's writing to the church. He says this, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He changes, it says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I'm imploring you. That's us. That's me and you. He's imploring the church in Ephesus. He's imploring us, okay, centuries later now, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I want to say this at the forefront, that we have all received a calling from God. Okay? Paul writes to the Romans and says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to express them accordingly. To the Corinthians, he said, Listen, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, all are not teachers, are they? No, but you've been given a gift. Now we're going to look in a moment here that he's given some as apostles. He's given some as prophets. That doesn't mean that everybody is a prophet. It doesn't mean that everybody's an apostle. It doesn't mean that everybody is an evangelist. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the diversity of gifts. I'm thankful that individuals have received the gift of healing or the gift of administration or the gift of helps. Right? We are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, the different gifts that we've been given, in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. How are we supposed to do that? Well, let's read verse 2 and verse 3. We're supposed to live that out with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love and being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, we're going to be talking about the prophetic, and can I tell you that not always uh, has the prophetic been witnessed with all humility and with all gentleness and with all patience and with tolerance and being diligent to preserve the unity. Sometimes it's, they're more seen as the guy who comes in and stirs everything up, right? Anybody can, can recognize that? But can I tell you that the gift that we have been given is supposed to be walked out in humility. It's supposed to be walked out in gentleness, right? Showing tolerance for one another in love. Skip down to verse 7. But to each one of us, again, he's talking to all of us here, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We've been given the gift of grace. All right? To the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. Now skip down to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. He's given everyone a grace gift. Everyone, everyone has, has received a gift of grace. Everyone has received a calling. This is what he's identifying. 
Paul now shifts it a little bit here and says, but I have given some, that Jesus has given some to be apostles. He's given some to be prophets. He's given some to, again, we understand here, right, that not all have received this aspect. But he has given it. Verse 12, why has he given this, these gifts, these fivefold, if you will? It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, how long do we do it? Well, until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man and to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, let me ask this question. Have we all attained to the unity of the faith yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, so here in a moment when we get down into this specifically, when we talk about this idea that you're going to hear, you've probably heard the idea that the, the cessation of gifts, that the gifts have stopped with the apostles, or when the canon was finished of Scripture. Okay. Well, I would, I would refute that by saying, well, have we all attained to the unity of the faith, and all have knowledge of the Son of God? Are we all walking in maturity into the measure of stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ? Well, the answer to that question is no. Why do I know that? Because I live in Kirksville. All right? I know that we have not attained to the unity of faith yet. I know that not every person knows uh, the Son of God. I know that not everyone walks in a level of maturity. I know that we've not uh, met the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That indicates to me, then, that the gifts would not have ceased, but we'll, we're ahead of ourselves. We'll get, we'll get to that in a moment. Ephesians 4, uh, let's read 14 to verse 16 here. As a result... Again, this is just the introduction here. I'm just trying to set the stage. And I know you've read this a thousand times before, but we're just refreshing ourselves here. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How many know that if you look across the face of this nation, that not just people, but the church is being blown by every wind of doctrine? It's not just in our nation, it's in the church. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. I love that. We're to grow up. Paul is telling us to grow up. Into all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. Again, he's pulling that back in here, that each individual has a part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, I want to ask this question here, is it could it be that the church is continually blown about because these Ephesians 4 gifts are not fully functioning within the church? Could it be that we... As the church, collectively, universally, I dare not say within Kirksville, all right. But could it be that the Ephesians 4 gifts, because they are not operating in full function, could it be that that is a reason, or at least in part reason, that the church is blown from one thing to another, all over the place? Okay. Could it be that growth is stunted? Because every joint has not been equipped to supply. 
trying to lay the understanding of why it's important to talk about and lay a foundation for Ephesians 4 gifting. Trying to lay a foundation that it is important of whether or not you are a, a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist, you have a part to play that your joint must supply. I'm not talking about the joint that you roll. I'm talking about the part that you play in the body of Christ this morning. All right, and you have a part to play. But could it be that growth, the growth of the body, both in maturity, frankly, as well as numerically, we don't like to say in America, we, you know, it's like we don't want to get all caught up on the numbers. Well, numbers indicate salvation. And so it has to be a little bit about numbers because God desires that all men come to the saving truth of who he is, right? So could it be that we don't see growth or that growth is stunted because every joint has not been equipped to supply? We should desire and pray for Ephesians 4 gifts. And we should equip and release those gifts. And we need to see them operational in the church. Can we agree on that this morning? All right, that's the introduction. Okay, so there's Ephesians 4. Now, I'm going to talk about some observations from these passages of Scripture here for a few moments. Uh, I want to talk about being a prophetic people. I want to talk about the difference between being a prophetic people and uh, the office of the prophet, Okay, this, this Ephesians 4 gifting. And then I want to read to you a, a quote, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll go home or to lunch or to wherever it is you're going next. All right? Let's make a couple of observations here. We talked about this a moment ago in regards to the, this idea that the gifts stopped with the apostles or when canon was finished, all right, when the, the canon of, the, of Scripture was, was done. All right, again, I want to point back that we have not all attained to the unity of faith. We've not reached that level of maturity up to this point. So that's interesting to me that Paul would write that and say that there is a gift that is until this period of time. So that's interesting to me. That stands out. The thing that we also, within this, is that it is established by Jesus when? When He ascended. So it didn't just stop with the twelve there, with the apostles, with the disciples, with whatever term you want to use for those individuals. Okay, It's that when He ascended, He gave gifts until all attained to the unity. Right? So these are ascension gifts. They're ascension gifts. When he ascended. So it's not the cessation of gifts. It's that they are ascension gifts. When he ascended, when he went to heaven, the disciples were going, where did he go? Okay. He gave gifts to men. His kingdom, we understand through Scripture, is both now and not yet. Do we understand that concept? That we understand that the kingdom of God right is now Jesus came he established the kingdom the kingdom is but he is coming again amen God is coming Jesus is coming again to dwell with us right and so we understand that his kingdom is now and it's not yet because it's not yet again that fulfillment of the unity of faith all right would indicate that there is not a ceasing of these gifts Again, I'm trying to just lay a foundation here, okay? So let me ask this question. Do you think that Jesus would no longer desire for his people to be well cared for or equipped for the work of service? 
Jesus ascended, said, I'm out. I'll be back at some other time and uh, fend for yourselves. No. The Father is a good Father. This is what we were talking about this morning. He is a good Father. If our earthly fathers, right, Jesus talks about, can give good gifts, how much more would our heavenly Father? Now, do you think that it is in His nature to give you a gift and then just say, ah, I was just teasing. No, that's not the nature of a father. Now, maybe your earthly father messing around with us, but no. God desires that we are well cared for and that we are equipped for the work of service that we all have been given according to the proportion of our faith. Okay? So this is important that Ephesians 4 giftings are released because they're called to equip us. They're called to see us released into the work of service. All right? So they're Ephesians 4 giftings. Let's look at another reason here. Joel chapter 2. Who remembers when Joel prophesies and says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, this will happen, your spirit will be poured out on all people. Right? You guys remember that? If you flip over to the New Testament then, where do we see that again? We see that again in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stands and proclaims the gospel of Christ and thousands of people get saved. What does he say there? Essentially, when he quotes Joel chapter 2, he's saying you're seeing the fulfillment and the release of what was prophesied in the Old Testament. Again, there was a proclamation and a release then in a later time frame. There was a release of the prophetic word of God being released upon who? All people. That's upon you and I. All right, let's look at one more thing here, one more observation. Is this, is that we see that the prophetic or prophetic prophets, prophetic type people should always work in tandem. He didn't, he didn't use those five gifts there and, and spread it out in different aspects of different parts of Scripture. Right? It's all together. Why is that? Because he desires to see team, to see family operate in the earth. To see apostles work with prophets. To see pastors work with teachers. To see evangelists work with apostles. And on and on and on. How many ever ways you can come up with to connect those people? Right? That teachers are involved in there. We want to see them working in tandem. Now, the prophetic type... I'm sure all of you have heard this before, can, can, can sometimes tend to operate as a Lone Ranger. You guys remember that show, Lone Ranger? Most of you are too young. I'm too young, frankly, but I've seen Nick at night, so <laughs> we watched it. But the Lone Ranger, you know, by yourself out there with your six shooters and just taking care of everything. Okay, prophets are not supposed to operate individually. <laughs> Prophets are not supposed to just go off and, and, and be wild and crazy and just be individualistic. No, they're supposed to walk in, in, in family. They're supposed to walk in team. They're supposed to walk in tandem with other gifts. This is how it's designed. So this is where we see this in Scripture. In the Old Testament, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm not going to read it. We're just going to quote, quote from it. But in 1 Samuel 10.5, in 1 Kings 18, in 2 Kings chapter 2, and in chapter 4, and then again in Acts chapter 11, 
we see a company of prophets or a group of prophets operating together. We see them functioning, not individualistically, we see them functioning together. All right? Again, Paul writes this to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. That indicates that we can be unaware of spiritual gifts, right? But we don't want to be unaware. We want to function and operate with a release of E4 or Ephesians 4 giftings. If I say E4, that's Ephesians 4. Okay, let's just shorten it up. All right? So we want to see a release of Ephesians 4 giftings. Why? Because they're called to equip the body. Who does not want to be equipped? I don't think anybody would raise our hand here. Well, in part then, we need to see prophets released within the church, within the community, within the region, within the nation, and within the nations. We need to see a release of prophetic people released into this community who continually hear, listen to, and obey the Word of God. Would you say amen? Amen. It's okay to to speak back. All right, I'll give you full permission. All right, I like to read quotes. I'm going to read a few today here. All right, Ephesians 4 gifting is what we're talking about, specifically uh, the prophetic. We're going to talk about the office of the prophet here for a moment. Anybody ever heard of a guy by the name of Ernest Gentile? Ernest Gentile, he's a pastor, he's written several books. Um, I'm going to quote from him here. He says, Although everyone who has the Holy Spirit also has inerrantly the gifting of prophecy, it does seem apparent that certain men and women are particularly chosen to exercise this ministry to the body of Christ on a regular basis. This, of course, is true of every spiritual gift, and we must learn to esteem one another all of whom have the same Holy Spirit for each one's unique expression. It's important. The prophetic is an important expression. It's an important gift. If it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have given it. Now, before we talk about the office of the prophet, let's look at a prophetic people for just a moment. Okay? God desires you and me to continually hear His voice. He has designed you in such a way to hear His voice and to know Him. He did not design raccoons and possums and any other critter that we have in northeast Missouri to hear His voice. He designed you to hear the voice of God. This is what it means to be prophetic. (laughs) It's simply, can I just take out the weirdness of it and just say this. It's about hearing the voice of God. A prophet wants you to encounter Jesus all the time, everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's in a service or at Walmart. He or she continually wants you to hear the voice of God right now. Right now. Always right now. The right now Word of God. And can I tell you that in this place, I don't care what you do for a living, I don't care your history or your background, you have the ability to access and hear the voice of God. Every person in this room has the ability to access and hear the voice of God. The question becomes, are we listening, and what do we do when we hear Him? Well, prophets can help with that. 
Again, we quoted from Joel chapter 2. I want to read this here. It says, And it will come about after this, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Notice there that he did not set a time limit upon that. It does not say, Joel did not prophesy, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind for the next 400 years. He says this, And your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. There's not a time constraint here. This wasn't for an Old Testament few individuals who happened to write a few books. This is for the people of God. And when Peter stood up in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost and preached the gospel... We saw a release of these days being now. Right now. And that day is still today. We still have access to the same voice that was speaking to Joel in that season. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, Pursue love yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Who is he writing to here? He's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to the people. He's not writing to one individual or a band of prophetic people. No, he's writing to the church. He's writing to us. He's saying this, desire that you would prophesy. Desire that you would hear the voice of God and release it out of your mouth. Let it bubble. One of the, one of the Hebrew words... Uh, for profit is not be it. It's a bubbling up. Let the voice of God bubble up on the inside of you and then speak it. I'm trying to be as simplistic as possible here today. Listen for the voice. Let it bubble up on the inside of you and then release what it is that God's saying. That's being a prophetic people. What is God saying? 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies speaks for the edification and exhortation and consolation. A prophetic people should be continuing, continually edifying the body of Christ. We should be edifying one another. Scripture says that we should encourage one another as long as it's called today. Well, last I checked, it's still called today. So we should continually be edifying one another. We should exhort one another. Can I say that exhortation sometimes is pulling out the cattle prod and poking our friends with it and saying, come on now, you need to get out of your slump. You need to stir up the gift of faith that God has put on the inside of you, the grace that God's given you. And sometimes it takes our friends to come alongside and poke us in the ribcage and say, now, now, listen, this is not how we're going to live, right? Sometimes we need that. Sometimes, who in here has ever been, been whoever, who's, who, who in here has, has prodded someone else before. Who in here has ever been prodded? Okay, this is why prophets get a bad name. No one likes to be prodded. But sometimes it's necessary to move me into my next steps. Sometimes I need my friends to come alongside and exhort me. All right? And then consolation. The prophetic should bring a level of comfort. It should bring a level of peace. It should bring that. I want to talk to you again uh, here about uh, the prophetic that's found in the New Testament. Again, if you're taking notes, um, I'll try and go slow, but we'll see. 
We see this found in multiple places throughout the New Testament. Okay? We, see it, we see the prophetic released in Antioch, where there were prophets and teachers. That was Acts chapter 13, verse 1. We see it in Ephesus. Right? We see that, that upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, the, the household of God is, is, is established. Ephesians 4 also makes reference, obviously, to the four giftings. We see the prophetic release in Tyre where the disciples were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. He did it anyway. All right. We see the prophetic released in Corinth where there was a desire to prophesy that he's, Paul's encouraging us to, that we ought to prophesy. We see it in Thessalonica when Paul says, don't despise prophesying. Let's stop and talk about that one for a minute. We're going to talk about the prophetic message here in a moment. And oftentimes, uh, a prophetic person who is delivering a prophetic message can, can oftentimes speak pretty uh, hard. I'm not using the word harsh. Listen, I'm using the word hard. It should be given gently and in humility. This is what we read earlier in Ephesians 4. Okay, but oftentimes a, a prophet will speak a hard word. And what happens is, is when I don't like it because it hurts my feelings, what I begin to do is that begins to produce a root on the inside of me where I begin to despise the prophetic and I begin to despise prophets. Can I tell you that Paul's very clear that we should not despise the prophetic. We should not despise the prophet. Okay, now, we're going to talk about delivery and things like this in just a moment. But I want us to understand that Paul's very clear to the church at Thessalonica. Why was he saying that? Because people were beginning to despise the prophetic word and the prophetic person. We need to not despise prophesying. We see the prophetic released in Rome, okay, where he says, Prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. We see the prophetic released in Caesarea, where we see Philip's daughters. Right, we see those, and in uh, Agabus, Agabus comes down to Caesarea and prophesies, binds Paul's hands, these types of things. Okay, and then we see the release in all cities and churches when Paul says that everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit testifies. That's in Acts chapter twenty. Can I say this that that the church right here among us? This should be the safest place to practice. Can I say that people right now, I'm just going to tell you this right now, that, that we miss it. Anybody in here ever made a mistake or ever did something incorrectly? When you were learning how to drive, did you just all of a sudden get behind the wheel and everything was just perfect and you drove down the road, there were no mistakes? Okay, very few people uh, that, will be, well, that will happen to. All right, yeah. Okay. No, can I say this? The church should be the safest place to practice this. If you miss it, there should be a level of consolation coming around and saying, you know what, you're going to get it next time. Right? We need to be patient with one another. I'm bringing up all these places in the New Testament simply to say that it wasn't just in one or two places. God desires to speak in all places. Multiple cities, multiple locations, and then there at the very end in Acts 20, he says, everywhere I go, God's speaking. Can I say this, that everywhere you go, God is speaking. 
When you go to Walmart, let me just tell you, God's speaking. You need to listen. The right now voice of God. Okay? Now, although there's a great deal of prophetic activity in the New Testament, we just read that, okay? There are only a few people that we find that were actually designated as prophets. Okay? Now, we are called to be a prophetic people. And, and honestly, the people of God, regardless of the denomination or non-denominational experience that you may have, He desires that all persons be prophetic because He desires all persons to hear His voice and to speak what it is that He's speaking. But there are, there are a specific gift that is given to the body that is a prophet. Okay? Prophets are an Ephesians 4 gift from Jesus. We need to understand that they are the gift and not just what they say. We have to understand that the person is the gift. It's not just what they say or don't say, because oftentimes what is spoken needs, by God needs not be delivered, but needs to be interceded over. Okay? Prophets are foundational. All right? We're specifically talking about the office of a prophet here. All right? An active gift. All, this is, all of this has been up to the point where we're saying everyone's got a gift. Everyone's prophetic, can be prophetic, can operate prophetically, right? Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We can all prophesy, right? But there are a few, uh, there are few, rather, who have been designated as prophets. They are a gift, and they are foundational to the household of God. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 talks about how the household of God is built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Right Now, I think Paul is likely speaking, and I will use the frame, the, the, the canonical prophets, meaning the prophets that wrote Scripture, okay, in particular who laid out theological truths and ethical principles, who wrote the canon of Scripture, all right? They provide a foundation. But prophets in the 21st century should bathe themselves in the language of the Scripture and should equip people from the foundation of scripture not some wild harebrained idea that they come up with no prophets should speak with from the foundation of scripture they're foundational today in that though they're not canonical they didn't they were not writing scripture again today that we are equipping for the work of service to release you to be prophetic okay so they're foundational. Prophets are called by God. Just like every person has a call of God upon their life, prophetic people are called by God for God's purposes. And I say that to say that the calling is not determined or established by man. It's not something that all, all of a sudden one day I wake up in the middle of the night and I say, I think I'm called to be a prophet. I think I'll just work that out. And I just go stir that up and... No, that does not usually go well. <laughs> All right? You usually fall flat on your face in situations by, like that. When prophets are called, they're by God. It's not determined or established by man. It's determined and established by God. And then they receive a commission. Now, in the Old Testament, prophetic people tend to receive their call and commission simultaneously. That The call was given and the commission was given to write these things, to speak these things. Okay, But in the New Testament... 
And I would dare say in today's society, I'll say New Testament prophets are called, they receive the calling of God, but then there is a season of development. We need development. Prophets need development. They're not a fully baked cake contrary to their own popular belief. All right? They need development. You got to understand, though, that their commission is often not glorious. Most of the time it's dirty and it produces death. It's not fun. It can be fun. But usually it comes through death and dirt. And then we have to understand that in regards to the commission, that prophets are sent by God with a mandate that is recognized by man, by team, by family. It's someone else. Usually we see, uh, like Paul telling Timothy, the, 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 the prophetic presbytery, the laying on of hands. There's a release in the earth by team, most often through other giftings, apostles, other prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, etc. Okay? Prophets are not just called to prophesy. Let me repeat that. Prophets are not just called to prophesy. They're called to equip and to build up the body of Christ. They should prophesy, but you have to understand that prophets specifically... Now, we all can prophesy. We've established that, yes? Everybody say, I can prophesy. There you go. Okay? But prophets are specifically not just called to prophesy. They're called to equip others to prophesy. That practice that we talked about in the household of God, it's good to walk with prophets to release that. Okay? Prophets are concerned about the right now Word of God. This is what we were talking about a moment ago. The right now Word of God. Not yesterday's Word, right now. Okay. The problem becomes with prophets is that sometimes we can tend to desire to establish a platform for ourselves. Have you ever heard of the, a, a prophetic platform? I'm going to call it that. Okay where it's about a personality. It's about a style. It's usually about, you know, in, in, in some places where it's, okay, just push the button on the back of the prophet and let him prophesy for a few moments, and then we put him back in the cage, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's entertainment for the body of Christ. Well, can I tell you, uh, first of all, that's perverted. And it's wrong. But it's also wrong for prophets to try and develop a platform for themselves that that's what it becomes, is an entertainment for the body of Christ and not an equipping for the body of Christ. It's not always just releasing the right now word of God. It's releasing a form of entertainment so that we can appreciate something and then we go back on and move, move on, right? Pro prophets should not look to develop a platform but a release of the voice a release of the person of Christ. It should not be about a personality. It should be about the person of Christ. Right? In Deuteronomy, Moses writes, God speaking here, he says, I will put my words in his mouth, speaking of the prophet. To Jeremiah, he says, I have put my words in your mouth. In, in Matthew 3 and Mark 1, in speaking of John the Baptist, who was a type of prophet, it was spoken of him that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight paths, right? He was the voice. It wasn't a platform. 
He was a voice. He was releasing the right now word of God to make straight paths. This is what he's saying here. God in Christ must always be the emphasis of the prophetic person. And the testimony of Jesus, Revelation 19 says, is what? Is the spirit of prophecy. Prophets should be focused upon the person of Christ. Always. I love this quote, and I can't give credit to whom said it because I cannot remember, but it was essentially this, this idea that when you speak about Christ, Holy Spirit shows up because His goal is to reveal Christ to you. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Prophets should always be considering the life of Jesus, speaking about Jesus. Everybody all right? Awful quiet today. You cold? Taking it all in. All right. Let's talk about the prophetic message for a moment, okay? The prophetic message is often uncomfortable. I'm not speaking a prophetic message today. I'm providing a level of teaching, all right? If this was a prophetic message, most likely I would be up here and I would be loud and moving all around, okay? But today I'm, I'm talking about just a teaching. I'm trying to lay some foundation here. All right. The prophetic message is often uncomfortable for those who will hear it. Why? Because it's often associated with change or direction or redirection of some sort. Okay. He's often saying, here's what the Lord says. I see you. You're not in a good place and you need to move from where you are. Read scripture, man. I mean, all throughout the Bible, this is what prophets are speaking. You're not in a good place. You need to repent and you need to move on. Oftentimes he's calling Israel out and saying, I told you to stop uh, idol worship and still yet you've married into this culture, you've married into this society. You need to stop it. It's uncomfortable. We don't like that. Why? Because I like my comfort. I like to be comfortable. I like to go home and put on sweatpants and a sweatshirt just like anybody else. All right? I enjoy being comfortable. I don't like my flesh to be challenged. I don't even like to diet. Right? I don't like to exercise. Why? Because I like being comfortable and not being challenged. And the prophetic message is often uncomfortable because it touches that point in my flesh that likes comfort more than it likes challenge and points something out at me that needs to be changed. So it's uncomfortable. You guys have met Doug Craigbaum, yes? Doug's been here. Doug's great. I love Doug. Doug's my pastor. He, he wrote this in an article. He says, If the prophetic element is lacking, we subtly drift into a form of Christian deism, which is the belief that God is distant and never intervenes with human affairs. Teachers can theologically and accurately state the truth of the Bible. The pastor can create a church with a strong family value that nourishes people. The evangelist will encourage the church to share their faith and lead others to Christ. By the way, these are all good things. As important as those things are, they can be more people-focused than heavenly-focused. And any perspective that lacks a sense of heaven's present activity will tend to reduce goals of teaching, caring, and mission in evangelism as limited from what can be done with earth's power and resources instead of heaven's. The prophet 
wants to pull you up out of the earthly realm into a higher place. We live in the earthly realm, and pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles, we need those gifts to operate and release. But if we do not have the prophetic gift, if we do not have the office of prophet released, we will become self-centered and self-focused. Focused solely on the care of others, which is important. Please hear me. I'm speaking prophetically today. I'm not speaking as a pastor. I'm not speaking as an evangelist. We all need to go out and do the work of an evangelist. This is, this is, this is reality. We all need to be cared for, people. My, my friend Roger Moore always says that, that he want, God wants his people cared for and cared for well. We need apostles operating to, to, to begin to see strategy implemented in the earth. I'm appreciative for guys like Glenn. But if we don't have prophetic people, if we don't have prophets that are fully released, then we will tend to focus right here and not right here. Jesus is seated upon a throne this morning. Prophetic people want you to come to the altar and change so that you can see Him. This is the importance of the prophet. They want you to come not to a physical place. These are stairs, all right? But when there is a response, when you come to the altar and you see a change so that our eyes would be cast upward again to see Him high and lifted up, seated on a heavenly throne. This is what our desire is as prophets. We want you to see Him right now. We want you to hear Him right now. And the areas of your life that are causing hindrance from seeing and hearing Him, we want you to come to the altar. Right? The prophetic type people are always in this constant uh, uh, turning of the altar, the throne. The altar... The throne. And we want that right now. We want you to see that right now. This is why prophets tend to believe that the most important thing for the church is to encounter God in a real way right now. Now again, I'm speaking one-sided today. All right, There are four other giftings that are important. Just as important. But if we're not having the release of the prophet then we are missing an element that God intended for the church to have. The prophetic message, again, is often focused upon the altar, which is a place to meet and encounter God in a real way right now. Prophets are supposed to, hear that word, supposed to, speak under divine constraint. I like that word. I like that word. Now, Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. The way that I hear something is not always the way that I speak it. Because I want you to hear it. He's speaking to me to get my attention. Right? But there are situations where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present that in the personality and the person that God has made me to be. Okay? So it's subject there. But you have to understand that God, in 1 Corinthians again 14, says that He is not a God of confusion, He's a God of peace. This is the importance of being under divine constraint. He does not want you to be confused. He wants you to be exhorted. He wants you to be comforted. He wants you to be encouraged. Right? That doesn't produce confusion. 
it produces peace. Now let's take a side note here. I'm saying this to say this, that prophets operate in mixture just like the rest of us. I think the prophet tends to get uh, a, lot of, a lot of flack sometimes. Duly so. All right. But we have to understand, this is why I'm saying that the church should be the safest place, particularly for young, developing voices. This should be the safest place to practice. And if somebody misses it, we go, okay, we encourage them. And we, and we, we, we bring prophets to walk alongside them to help train and equip. That's their job. Again, go back to that Ephesians passage situation. But we have to understand that Paul writes again to the Corinthians and says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. It's important that we understand that. We don't always get the full picture. We don't always have the full understanding. We prophesy in part. This is why we submit words. This is why it's important to submit words, right? To bring. Here's what, I, here's what I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, but I'm bringing that to... This is David Boss. David Boss is a good friend of mine. David is... We serve on the same eldership team over at Life Church together. And oftentimes, we're having conversations. Here's what I'm hearing the voice of God say. Well, what do you think about this? Why? Because we prophesy in part. We know in part. Can I say this too? That correct application and operation of the prophetic gift is critical. I'm just going to speak for the United States because I'm a U.S. citizen today, okay? We have perverted the prophetic message of Christ and prophets have been foolish. Okay? But just because that's happened does not negate the gift of the prophet himself. That does not say that the word or the person may not need to be corrected or further equipped or developed or discipled, but it does mean that abuse and manipulation are not and should not be acceptable. Now again, I'm not saying that prophetic people have not uh, dug, dug our own hole. All right? But I am saying that the church has kicked the prophet into the hole. <laughs> We can't do that. We need them. Now, if you're in here and you're saying, you know what, I, I know that I'm a prophetic person. I'm going to tell you this. You need discipleship. And you need to be harnessed to family and team. Prophets need their character developed. Oftentimes they think that they're just, they, because they hear the Word of God, that they're just always right. No, that is not true. Oftentimes you may hear a right word, but it is delivered at a very wrong time. Consider Joseph, for example. Hey, I had this dream, guys. And you all bowed down to me. How many know that probably was not good timing? Right? That was not the best. We need our character developed. Joseph went through what he did because he was having his character developed to the point that when God set him as a vizier in Egypt... He had the character to carry the voice of God and know what to do. <laughs> Prophetic people need development of character. Prophetic words need to be evaluated. And the prophetic church needs to have patience with those who are being developed. Alright? Everybody good? I have half a page left. Can you stand with me for just a moment? No, not stand physically, but can you stand to be here for just a few more moments? 
I'm going to read you part of an article that was written by a gentleman by the name of Steve Thomas. And, and Glenn may have re- uh, referenced Steve Thomas. Steve Thomas is um, an apostolic father who oversees uh, salt and light family of churches. Has he talked about that at all? Okay, so Steve Thomas. So, so uh, uh, he's an apostolic father. Let's just leave it at that for the sake of, of argument. And he wrote, wrote an article on uh, pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit, essentially, and in that, I want to read a portion that he wrote here in regards to, to prophets. He says, Prophets desire to see God reveal the fullness of His presence, His will, and His majesty. They are called to live in God's presence, to find His perspective, and to reveal the heart of God. They are prayers and intercessors precisely because they understand God's heart and will. They will be prophetic wherever they are, in society, in the marketplace, corporate meetings. They want people to encounter God and therefore to change. There is no place in Scripture, this is a side note from this, that you see where man encounters God that he does not get up changed. There is no point in Scripture when man interacts with God that some some sort of change occurs. He says, It's often the case that in our immaturity we look to prophets to bring us some dazzlingly new revelation from God, and prophets in their immaturity strive to impress us with some profound seventh heaven reflection that takes us increasingly into speculative realms. This is not the life of the Old Testament or the New Testament prophet. The prophet stood firmly in the context of God's covenant relationship with his people and constantly called a somewhat wayward people back to God's will, God's ways, and God's love. Now he ends this, and this is what I want to pray here this, this, this morning, whatever time it is. He says this, May God raise up in our day many such prophets who stand in the presence of God and who are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring a revelation of God's heart to His people in the church and in the world. We want to receive a release of this gift. We want to see a release of this office. Now, that's a small scratching of the surface in regards to the prophetic gifting that we see in Ephesians chapter 4. Small portion. Small portion. We could talk about the development of the prophet, how prophets receive the word of God, how they hear, how they submit the word. But we're, we're just laying a foundation here. But I want to reiterate this, that God desires a prophetic people. And God desires a prophetic voice to come forth from this house into this community right now. Now, I don't know everyone's history in this room. I don't know personally every person that's in this room. I don't know what your experience with prophets or prophetic people has been like. But I know this. As we just look through Scripture, it is a gift that is for right now. It is, for, it is a gift for you. It is a gift for the body of Christ. It is a gift for this region. And my prayer is that God would not just raise up prophets, but that He would put a prophetic voice in your mouth to be released into this community. Kirksville needs to hear the voice of God. Your co-workers need to hear the voice of God. 
the checker at Walmart needs to hear the voice of God. This community needs to be exhorted. They need to be encouraged. They need to be comforted. You don't have to be a five-fold minister. You don't have to be a prophet to release the now voice of God. All you have to do is submit yourself to Him to listen and then be obedient to speak what it is that He speaks. Allow it to bubble up. Allow it to be released. It's just, it can be something small. It doesn't, it can be, you know what? I like your shirt today. Thank you. What was that? That was an encouragement. You know what? One of your coworkers going through a divorce. Sometimes somebody just needs somebody to come alongside and put your arm around them. See, you know what? The Lord sees you. I tell you that that's a prophetic word. I tell you that some of you in here are just sitting in your chairs and you're not releasing the voice of God that's on the inside of you. You know what you need? You need one of your friends to come poke you in the ribs and exhort you to release the word of God that's, that's on the inside of you. Can I tell you that that's being prophetic? It can be sitting in the, in the, in the salon chair. It can be operating with businesses. It can be taking out the trash in the corner, speaking to your neighbor. On this, I'm trying to just bring this down to very basic understanding of what it is to be prophetic. It doesn't have to be the guy standing on top of the chairs, leaning forward into the wind, the hair brushing back, and the staff in the hand, okay? It doesn't have to look like that, right? Now, it might. But it's for exhortation. It's for consolation. It's for encouragement. If you say this this morning, I, just, I, I want David to come and pray for you here in a moment. Corporately, and then also, if, if you want prayer individually, we, we would love to, to pray with you. I want to say this. If you feel like you are called to be a prophetic voice into this church and into this community, would you just stand? If you're called to be a prophetic voice, good, we want to pray specifically for you. If you'll allow it, I'd like to lay hands on you and pray for you. But I'm going to ask David to come and just pray for us corporately that we as a, as a people of God, and can I tell you this, that I'm not just talking about Christ's family. I'm, I'm connecting Life Church here. We're, we're operating more and more. We're the family of God. This isn't two churches today. We're just, we're just being the family of God. We want to see the prophetic voice of God released into this community. We want to see the lost brought in. We want to see people comforted. We wanted to see people encouraged. We want to see people exhorted. David, would you come and pray? Just... Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this moment. We invite you, just like we sang this morning, to have your way, to have us. We lift our lives up to you in this moment, and we ask that there would be a release of your voice, of your prophetic unction inside of every person in these two churches. Lord, we're asking that you would, we'd hear your voice when we're walking in Walmart 
whether it's the cashier that might just need that one thing said that makes them search you out. Or if it's at the doctor's office sitting next to somebody with a sick kid. Lord, we're asking that we would become so aware of who you are and how you'll do what you say you'll do. And Lord, that you will make a way by using us to speak to a community, to a city, to a region, even to a nation, Lord. Lord, we just, we submit our lives here in this moment. And we say, use us, Lord. Speak through us. Help us hear the right now word that you're saying to our neighbor, that they might end up giving their lives to you. Lord, the, the right now word when we're, when we're in business, Lord, to help our businesses do well. Lord, you'll speak to us about those kind of things in a moment. Lord, I've seen it. I've seen it where you've spoken and business deals have happened because of things that no man could have known, but you spoke it and you created it in a moment. Lord, we're asking for that kind of things. Lord, we're asking for the miracle working power of God, the creativity of God to begin to speak through us as people. And Lord, specifically those that you give the gift and the grace to walk in the office that Jeremy was talking about, Lord, Lord, we're asking that that would break forth in this house. Lord, we're asking that that would break forth more in this city, among other churches, Lord, that the voice of God would begin to be heard throughout our city. But Lord, we ask right here in this moment, in this house, that you would let that begin to arise. Lord, speak to your people that they may speak to one another. We just ask for that this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. For those who would like prayer, I I would love to pray with you. I'm not going to say that you have to come forward, but if you would like prayer individually, I'd like to pray with you. Now, I'm not laying hands on you to release you to be a prophet. I'm not, I'm just, okay, I'm just talking about the prophetic voice of God being released into your life and released into those around you. I just want to encourage you this. You know, sometimes it can be a little scary to open up your voice, open up your mouth, and actually speak. Practice on your friends right here in the church. Practice on your family. Bring encouragement, exhortation. Bring comfort, right? Practice it. If you'd like prayer today for a release of the voice of God, I just I'd, I would be glad to pray with you. And I want to say this, you know, we'll dismiss with this unless, Leslie, there's anything else we need to do here. But when we pray, here's what I want you to understand is that God will begin to speak to you about you. God desires to use you as a voice, He will speak to you about you. And things that are not quite right in our own lives, He's going to want to deal with those. So I'm just saying this, is just saying the understanding that God desires to use you, to speak through you, and He will. But when God speaks, He'll often speak to you about yourself first. 
He's going to identify some things. Don't be afraid of that. Respond to that. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this people. Lord, my friends, my family that is in this place. Lord, I'm asking that you would release the voice of God. Lord, that you would give them ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. Lord, enlighten the eyes of their hearts to allow them to see what it is that you're doing. To see the Spirit of God begin to move. To hear the Spirit of God begin to speak. Father, thank you for this body. Thank you, Lord.